Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. So I want to talk about potential and possibilities. Um, And the way I'm going to talk about that is by talking about pieces and the process. So um, that's what we're going to do. So if you have a Bible, go to the book of Judges, which is the book of Judges. So um, Happy New Year if you've read the Bible. So excited to jump into Judges. Um, uh, But we're going to read in a really well-known story for most of us, the story of Gideon. And I want to just tell you, I tell you, I want to do this story and we'll talk about some stuff in this and we'll have some fun this morning. Um, and I really just sense the Lord wants to, I want to pray for people this morning. I want to have a, hopefully a great ministry time where we can come forward in, in response to what God might be doing uniquely in our own lives and create space for us to minister to one another. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to set people free. I believe God wants to bless people um, for breakthrough in their life with, with finances, with addiction, um, and also, one thing I want to just suggest is that we put all of our plans before the Lord this morning. All of our excitement, anticipation, all of our fears, we just lay them at Jesus' feet and honor him through, through surrender. I think that's the best posture we can take, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read in, in, in Judges. So it goes, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, chapter 6. So if you're doing the Bible in the year, anyone doing Bible in the year? Anyone going to do the Bible in a year for about six, six days? <laughs> More. <laughs> uh, don't torture yourself. Read the Bible lots, but give yourself a break. Do read slow. Um, okay, Judges 6. Let's just jump in and then I'll explain as we, as we do it. Um, it says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. Um, You're like, Darren, this is 2017. What are you getting us into? It was impossible to count them or their camels. So they invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that, that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said this, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah the, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So there we go. A couple of verses in the book of Judges. Just a quick 
like framework for where we find ourselves in this book. The story of Israel begins really in Exodus. It starts in Genesis, but it really takes off in Exodus, and we know the story. The Israelites are slaves to Egypt. They're freed eventually. They're led to a mountain where God says to them, um, I, I'm gonna be your God. You're gonna be my people if you obey my covenant. Um, and then they don't obey his covenant. They go into the wilderness for 40 years where God tries to train them um, to be dependent on him. And he prepares them for the promised land. And eventually they get into the promised land through Joshua. They begin to defeat the enemies of Israel. God gives them this promised land. And then Joshua dies. And then we get to the book of Judges where it's chaos. It seems archaic. And what you read is passages like this, chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So you see that the people of God are, are, to, are designed to live in covenant with God, to represent God wherever they go. And their goal is to represent him on earth. Um, to, uh, they, they're supposed to keep his covenant and his commandments, but they don't do it. And every time they don't do it, um, people come in and invade the territories and take their crops and destroy their land. So that's where we pick up. And what happens in the books, book of Judges is um, they'll, they'll do evil in the sight of the Lord and then they'll cry out for justice and then God raises up a judge. Someone who will lead and unite the people of God to uh, commit to covenant again and that judge will unite the Israelites and the tribes and they'll defeat the enemies of Israel and they'll get the land back. So this goes back and forth through the book of Judges. It's really exhausting. It's a sad book. It's depressing. Um, so 2017, Happy New Year. So that's where we pick up is that that's, that's a story in a nutshell. And so we get to the story of Gideon and I love this story. Gideon it's, it's such a good story. The angel of the Lord. So they've been defeated for seven years. Seven years. They've been pushed around to where they don't grow any crops because the Midianites come in and they destroy their crops and take it for themselves. They kill their cattle or take their cattle. And so the picture we have is utter defeat in the promised land. God was dangling the care of the promised land for 40 years and then they get there, and they're, they're, the image we have is Gideon. Gideon, threshing wheat in an ancient wine press. Let me first show you what threshing wheat, no, put that away real quick. And we'll, we'll show you what threshing wheat is, wheat is supposed to look like. So I don't have a pitchfork, so I, or, and no one of my friends had really a pitchfork. So, um, <laughs> but um, some of you might, I should have put it on Facebook or something. But so here's like imaginary pitchfork, but it's a shovel. So if you're going to thresh wheat, this is what I've, I had to research um, over the past week. <clears throat> you go to a top of a hill, you collect all of the wheat that you grew and, um, and, and, and all the stock, and you put it in a pile and a bunch of workers would be on a hill or an open field and they would, they would pile of wheat over here and you just throw it up in the air. This is what it would look like. You throw it up in the air and throw it up in the air. And what happens is that the wind takes the chaff away. Did I say that right? Regularly, I mispronounce words, as you know. And my wife regularly keeps score. And she tells me afterwards, how, was that? how did I do? She did good, but you, you know this thing. Does, is that what you said? Is that what I heard? Um, so I'm just, I'm just checking. Now that she's back and healthy and alive and well, <clears throat> I got my uh, spell check here in the front row. So there we are. <laughs> and, and so that's the image right here, right? So people are in a hill and it just goes, but it says that, that Gideon is in an 
ancient Near Eastern wine press, which looks like this. So it's basically a hole in the ground, and he's threshing wheat. And I have to make room for what I'm about to do, because what you have to realize is he definitely is not using a tool. He's in a hole on the ground threshing wheat. Now, how would you thresh wheat without wind? Let me give you a picture. He was afraid of the Midianites. He's in a hole, a wine press, threshing wheat. wheat. The image is of a coward, a loser, defeat. And then the verse says this. An angel comes to him, sees him doing this. Would you go to the next verse, please? Um, and it says, verse, uh, okay. When the angel, verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It's comical. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And his, the translation is, excuse me? Pardon me. Um, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? To us, Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Where the heck are you, God? In the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, Gideon is doing this. God, where are you? This is not the picture I had in my mind and heart about the life you promised me. What happens when the picture doesn't line up with the life we're experiencing? Have you ever experienced in your life what it feels like when God's not nowhere to be found? Where the heck are you? They told me about a God who sent plagues down on the the most powerful nation in the world. A God who defeated those people, who parted seas. They told me about a time when God provided water from a rock, who, who rained down food to nourish millions of people for 40 years. Where are you? Where the heck are you, God? This is what Gideon's thinking. This is, what is, is, this, this is the story that we pick up. As Gideon is confronted with a messenger of the Lord, God, God comes to meet Gideon and God gives him a new name. God reveals potential and possibility. God invites him into a new story. God shows him and reveals his possibility. And why is it that when God often calls us God calls out our potential. All we tend to do is see what's missing. Christians are so good at this, aren't we? We're so good. God calls out our potential, but all we can see is what's missing. Right? In our life. God reveals something to us, but all we can do is give him excuses. And so what happens when the picture that you had of this new year, what happens later on in this year, the, the image you have, the, the hope the promise that you're carrying in your heart, the picture doesn't look like the life that you've received or you're living out and experiencing. 
I got my son um, a new toy this year. Um, I'll show you what I got him. <coughs> Anyone see Rogue One? <coughs> I got him a, a starship, a scar, a star scavenger. I thought this is going to be a great gift. I bought him a, a starship. It's got all sorts of parts to it. It flies. It shoots weapons out. There's tons of characters in this. So I bought him this this awesome ship. I thought he was gonna he was gonna love this ship. It was it's just amazing. Uh oh. They gave me a broken ship. We gotta take this back to the store. this. What happens when this doesn't look like this? What happens when the pieces don't look like the picture? I think that's the story of Gideon. So we get this this story of someone who's experienced something far different than the promised land that was once promised. We just got a bunch of, bunch of pieces. I, I'll have to buy Ezra a new gift. I don't have time for that. <laughs> what happens when 2017 comes and it's not everything that you were hoping for? I can tell you what that looks like, what that feels like. When you walk into the new year, new season full of passion, full of excitement, full of hope. And all of a sudden, you wake up and your wife has a heart condition. You rush to the ER and all of a sudden you realize there's a health crisis in your family that has to be surgically take, taken care of. As a 20-something dealing with that fear of when is that health thing going to happen again? Will she last as long as you with that type of heart? What happens when you're sitting in the hospital for the fourth night with a six-week-old and the doctors are whispering about brain damage? What do you do when that's confronted? You've got passion, hope, resolutions, goals, but the pieces don't look like the picture. How do you remain faithful and trust that kind of God? Is God there? I've been thinking about 2017 thinking about what it looks like when it comes to March and you were hoping for community, but all you feel is alone and isolated and that anxiety and depression you were hoping to conquer with the new diet and workout routine is still there. You ever experienced that? Is your God with you? Have you learned to trust him with just the pieces Are you trying to make it look like the picture, forcing it, or do you just take one at a time and wait and learn and trust and build? Because that's what's going on in this story. You see, what I love is, is Gideon says, 
Well, where are you, God? And look at the very next verse. It says this, the Lord turned to him, verse 14, and he says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I don't know where the promised land is that you promised us. It seems like what God does is he shows us a picture and then he hands us a piece. You think God's going to drop everything in your lap and have it perfectly ready to go for you when he says you got to leave that secure job and start your own business? Do you think you're going to have your bills paid for before you step out in trust? Do you think it's easy to leave those broken, harmful, toxic relationships that have defined your life behind? Do you think it's easy because you're going to have that perfect new community that you're stepping into? Do you think that's how it works? Sometimes God shows you a picture and then just simply hands you a piece because it's an invitation to build it with him. You see Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press. What the angel says to him is great. You're going to do it. (laughs) Go in the strength that you have. And this is what he does, right? God reveals his potential. Go in the strength that you have. He reveals his, his potential. And then he just sees what's missing. He doesn't see what God sees. Pardon me again. Excuse me, Lord. Uh, but how can I save Israel? <clears throat> My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. I'm the youngest. You see, he doesn't even see the picture. All he can see is how he's threshing wheat. God reveals his potential, but he can only see what's missing. And we're so quick to point out what's missing in our life. Go in the strength that you have. Gideon can only see what he doesn't have. How you doing, 2017? I've got potential, 2017. Do we carry the right view of God? with the pieces of our life? Or do we carry the wrong view of God with the pieces of our life? See, this is what I think God's always trying to do. You see, I think God's regularly speaking to us, regularly calling us out, but we're regularly just giving the excuses next year. I'm, or like for me, it will be 10 years ago that I started vocational ministry at Rock Harbor in January, 20, next, next Sunday. 10 years of ministry where I, I graduated college. I got my first job at a church. I started working at this amazing church that I loved. And three months into the job, March 2007, I'm in India and God says, plant a church in Long Beach. I was 22 years old. And when he spoke that word, I had just had a glimpse, an image of this church plant. It was just a word. I didn't know anything about Long Beach. I tell the story regularly. I knew about homelessness and poverty and gangster rap. That's about it. Didn't know anything else. <clears throat> I lived in Newport, But God put that in my heart. And you know what immediately followed the calling? All the excuses. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to preach. I'll never be anything. Nobody will ever come. My wife and I, we're not even married. We're engaged. Like there was literally so many excuses. And isn't that what happens when there's a calling on our life? When we hear the voice, we're immediately gonna meet that voice with excuse, with insecurity, with fear. Mighty warrior, Go in the strength you do have, not go in the strength you don't have. 
Go in the wheat threshing in the uh, wine press kind of strength that you do have. You save them. And then it's just the excuses. And I think that's, 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 that's the beauty of this is that sometimes God's gonna just show you a picture and then hand you a piece. And your job is to be committed to the pieces that you have in front of you today. Because 2017, it's not about fulfillment of the picture. God's gonna fulfill the picture. You're about being committed to the process. You see, with every promise and every picture, there's a process. And if there's anything I've learned in my short life, and I don't have a lot to reflect on at this point, because I don't feel like I'm wise in so many ways, if there's anything I know, it's that you gotta be faithful to the process. In the last... I don't know, 10, 12 years of setting goals. I, I used to set a lot of goals. I set less goals now. I, I, I'm more interested in who I'm becoming than what I can accomplish. So uh, I, I, I'm asking the question, who, who are you becoming and who do you want to become? So for most of, most of my goals are set around characteristics. Do I want to be more generous than last year? Do I want to be um, pure in heart? Do I, wanna, do I want to be more filled with peace than the year before. These are the things that I think are so needed in the church today. People that are obsessed with Christ, um, Christ's character being developed in you than what you can accomplish out there. We need dads who are committed to parenting for the long haul, right? And moms. We need brothers and sisters who are committed together even when it gets hard and there's conflict, and there needs to be a lot of grace and forgiveness. Community that's shaped around those things. Character. Does that make sense? Where was I? That was just an offset. Um, if there's anything you can do to make 2017 great for the first time, not again, um, is to uh, simply trust God with the pieces of your life. And you don't need to work out everything, but just trust God that he's got a process because every promise has a process. Some of you are waiting for the promise to be fulfilled and God's waiting for you to remain faithful to the process. This is the promised land. Do something. Where are you? God's like, you're enough. I'll use you. Here you go. Hands him a piece. And now Gideon has to decide what he's gonna do. And this is all over the scripture, this process. God says to Abraham, check it out. Count the stars. As the stars are in the sky, so will your descendants be. How many sons did he have? Well, he had two, but one counted for that man. He tried to mess it up, right? You know the story of Abraham? He tried to, he tried to make the picture himself. He had to trust God with the process. Moses, you're going to be a deliverer. Uh, I can't speak. It's okay. I will speak through you. I'm with you. We'll, uh, I, I seriously can't speak. Fine. I'm going to send your brother. Relax. Go. He's like, I just don't know. How, how am I supposed to do this? Gosh darn it, Ab- uh, Moses. What's in your hand? Uh, a staff, a shepherding staff. Perfect. Go with the shepherding staff. I will use that so you can trust me. Literally, he made it. He had every excuse in the book. God's finally like, what is in your hand? Okay. I'm going to use this staff for magical powers. And that's literally what Moses thought. It turns into a snake. He's like, oh my gosh, look at this staff. It's not the staff, Moses. It's the God who's with you. (laughs) Peter, you're going to do what I do. Uh, I'm just a fisherman. Gosh, perfect. I'm going to make you fish for men. 
across the board. But notice this, it's always a process in the scriptures because as humans, we're not destination people, we're journey people. It's never about the destination. It's always about the journey. Because look at what happens. So he says, um, go in the strength that you have. And he says, how can I? I'm the weakest, I'm the youngest, blah, blah, blah. He says, the Lord answered, verse 16, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. Leave none alive. So Gideon goes on. And what he does in the story, I'm just gonna summarize it, is he asks for a bunch of signs. This is where we get the word put out a fleece because he literally does put out a fleece. And um, if all of a sudden Gideon realizes that he's having a conversation with God. So the first thing we tend to do is we hear this word, okay, God, you wanna call me to plant a church. The first thing we tend to do um, is either make excuses or question the voice. Is it really you, God, saying this? So once that is discovered, okay, it's God's voice in my life, then all the, the excuses continue. But then what God tends to do is he builds up our faith in life one piece at a time. Just one at a time. He doesn't give us all of it at once, the courage all at once. The story of Gideon is it's one piece at a time. And this is what I love. So what he does is he says, look, you're gonna defeat the Midianites that are outnumbering everyone. You can't even count them. They're like locusts. You're gonna do it. This guy, threshing wheat in the bottom of a wine press. Go, you're gonna do this. And so what the first thing God tells him to do, and I love this, the first thing it says, in this, if you continue the story, is that Gideon goes to his father's house and takes down the idols and worships God in his father's house. Why? Because the place that courage begins, the hardest place for courage is usually in our home. Why? Or maybe you could say that Gideon had daddy issues. I mean, I don't know why, but it starts with him being obedient in his father's house. And then the next story is Gideon goes to the village, his local village, and takes down the idol's sacrifice to Baal, and he worships Yahweh. People see it. They begin to contest it. And the very next thing in Scripture is it says that the Midianites and the enemies of Israel surround Israel. They surround him. So they're about to attack. And then it says the spirit of God fell on Gideon and he blows a trumpet and gathers all the army. Guess how many gather? 32,000 men fighting and gather under Gideon's leadership. A guy who just a few minutes ago said, I'm the weakest and youngest. And then he takes down his idols in his daddy's house and then his village. And then he gathers with the spirit around him, 32,000 men. And this is what's so amazing. It starts way over there. Peace by piece by piece. And then God says, hey, guess what? That's too many people. 32,000. They're gonna, you know what? You could, you could be confused that you did it on your own strength. Get rid of everyone. What? Uh, uh, this is my first time leading any type of major battle. I uh, would really appreciate a victory on this one, you know? And uh, he's like, all right, you can only take 300. And, and here's the other thing. Don't bring weapons. <clears throat> you're gonna bring a trumpet and some torches, okay? And you're gonna make a lot of noise. Trust me on this one. It's a new, <laughs> it's a new fighting tactic. I promise it's gonna work. Trust me. <clears throat> and so guess what? 300 men charge at night and they create this stampede. And it says that they defeat, with the 32,000 go on and defeat 120,000 swordsmen, Gideon's first battle. But it doesn't, that wasn't his first battle. His first battle with, was with the calling, are you a mighty warrior? Yes. Go then to your father's house. Go home and practice the courage and strength that you need. The process. Go to the village. 
Okay, gather the men. Great. Now get rid of the men. Uh, what? Okay, now go into battle with a trumpet. Okay. And watch me fulfill the promise and the picture of your heart one piece at a time. 2017, how are we doing? God builds up life and faith one piece at a time and every promise has a process. After that, it says under Gideon's leadership, there's 40 years of peace in Israel from the weakest clan and the least in the family. But God says, no, 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 that's my mighty warrior. That's my mighty warrior. So this is a sermon I have for, for you as we enter into 2017. A couple of weeks, uh, we're gonna have some guests. We're gonna have Todd Proctor here next Sunday. Um, my mentor, the pastor who said to me at a, a Thai food restaurant, as I was trying to rally all these older people to come and be the, the lead team of the garden church before it was even the garden, just an idea. He says, no, 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 Darren, you're the guy that has to lead it. I'll do it if you're gonna lead it. I'll get behind you. That's the guy who's preaching next week, my mentor and friend. And then we'll have Ed from Bread Church here preaching and Bill. And then in, at the end of January, we're gonna kick off uh, six months in a series in the book of Ephesians. So excited. We're gonna go through verse by verse, really slow. I'm so excited for that. Um, but I wanted to let you know, as we enter into 2017, may I ask that you just surrender the picture you have of your life to God. Set goals, Set, set uh, resolutions. Ask the what if impossible things. Submit them, surrender them to God. And whatever he gives you, whatever he invites you into, just simply do this in 2017. Remain faithful to the process. That's it. Some of you are coming out of some really serious pain. 2016 was really painful, really hard. Devastated relationships, life was crumbling at your fingertips and all you wanna do is jump into the next. Jump to the picture. May I, I just invite you to slow down and just faithfully take each piece at a time. Don't hurry out of that pain, but invite God into it. Let him build you a new picture because there's a process for the promise in your life. Some of you are excited. You're ready to take the hill. You're ready to go forward. And in my experience, what happens when, that, when you're ready to run too fast is God will slow you down. So just pace yourself. Let's do it together. There's so much potential in this room. There's so much potential. I'm, if anyone knows me, I am a visionary. I'm ready to build. I'm ready to go. But I just know that there's a process for each of us to build. Remain faithful to the process. Whatever circumstances you find yourself in, whatever there is, there's so many possibilities in the room because there are so many possibilities with our God. So a couple of landing points before I jump in and pray for us. We're doing so good on time. Um, first, what's the first piece for you? What's that one piece that God's handing you for 2017? The very first thing. Some of you are like, I need to get my diet in order. I need to eat well. Yeah, maybe that is. Because that's for you, that's a, a place of emotional baggage, spiritual baggage, a place of struggle that impacts you. Maybe it's your diet, maybe it's exercise. I believe we're a holistic, integrated soul. 
All right, so we are spirit and physical. We are emotional, mental, and social. All of that is what the soul is made up. So I'm regularly disciplining myself, myself around those things. So some of you, it's, I wanna, I wanna get my spiritual life back together. I need to start reading my Bible and praying. Some of you, um, you have new adventures. God's calling you to start companies. God's starting, calling you to in, invest in relationships. I don't know. Could you articulate and name that piece? What's that one piece that God's calling you to do? Because that will, that will begin the process to the promise. Why am I talking? Let me just, I, mean, I should have shared this. I wasn't planning on sharing this. Um, so let me tell you something. I don't know how it's gonna end, but let me just tell you the story. <clears throat> In January of 2015, I woke up from this wild dream and I believe that God speaks to us in so many ways and he doesn't regularly speak to me through dreams, but sometimes he does. And I had one of those dreams that you need to write down. So I wrote down the dream and it was, it was significant. I don't need to go into what it was about, but it was a significant dream. I knew there was significance in it and it was, it was highly personal. Um, and I woke up and I, I eventually shared it with Alex and I said, Alex, what do you think about that dream? I'm like, what do you hear from it? And the first thing she said because it had to do with culture, had to do with preaching, had to do with ministry. She said, you, you have to, I think you have to give up drinking alcohol for a while because there's something about you speaking to culture and being someone who's solid, who's whole. Um, and not that I was struggling with addiction, not that I was an alcoholic, not that that was a, even a, a sinful place in my life, but that was the dream. There was this little piece attached to it, this sense of this bigger picture is connected to this simple discipline. That was 2015, the beginning of 2015. So that year went on and I didn't really think much of it. I did a fast and nothing really happened, but I, that dream kept coming back for a whole year. And then 2016 comes around and as the year begins, I'm reminded of that dream. I found it in my journal and I just sensed the Lord was saying, you need, this is, this is a picture for you, but there's a process to the fulfillment of this. And so last year in March, I, I gave up drinking alcohol. I've been doing that for a while. And it was, a, it was really hard at first. It was hard to release um, something that was, that was a place of joy, of connection, of social relationships. It was, I'm such a grace person. And I felt like, what am I doing? This is, this is not illegal. It's not prescriptive. It's not legalistic. I just felt there was an invitation. And in the invitation, there was a discipline attached to it. And as a result, can I just say this? This last year, what was so profound for me was that simple decision of limitation produced the greatest freedom in all these other areas in my life for 2016. And it, it's not that it was a sin I had to get rid of. It was about hearing God's voice and obeying it and walking that out for a long season of time, which for most of us, we're not, we're not big on commitments, <laughs> Right? Or, or self-denial for that reason, or at all in our culture. But something about that produced this expansion that I can't even articulate. I don't even want to try. I just know that there's something in this idea that there is a process to a promise. There is a process to the picture. If you want greater freedom, then sometimes we have to step into self-limitation. If you want more abundance, sometimes that looks like minimalism. Some, if you want uh, more of God in your life, sometimes it looks like less of yourself. Does that make sense? 
So 2017, may I invite you to remain faithful to the process. And so I don't know what your first piece is this year uh, for you, but I wanna invite you to build with God in what this year might look like. So the first thing is, what's the first piece? The second thing I have is this. Um, For those of you um, that are like me, you regularly make excuses for the things in your life. May I invite you, 2017, to create ownership for your life. If God calls you mighty warrior, call yourself mighty warrior. Don't make excuses for the things that God has placed in your life. Be obedient to the things that God has called you. Stop stop waiting for someone else to come along and build that promised land. Join God in building that promised land in your life. Does that make sense? Ownership. Third, I feel like God wants to give some of us a new name this morning or simply remind us of the name that he's given us a while ago and we have forgotten to live out. I don't mean a literal name, but I believe that sometimes when we posture ourselves before the presence of God, he simply reminds us of something that's a deeper truth about our souls. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.